Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. This is Kevin calling from La Cacenta, California, kind of planning ahead for the future, thinking of establishing primary residence in a state with no state income tax. And provides unbiased answers. Good question, though, a good thought process, and always good to look forward. I think there's only what seven or nine states that have no income tax. Invest Talk, over 42 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99 Chart. At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is InvestTalk, independent thinking, shared success. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, June 28, 2022. I'm Steve Peasley, and of course, I look forward to doing this podcast when I get the chance to do it. Justin and I trade off, as you probably know, so it's my day today. I'm always very careful. We are careful about giving you the straight answers, unbiased answers to your questions. And we don't have an agenda. We're not trying to push something on you. We do use the show as our marketing arm. But again, we just provide information. And that information, we hope, will help you. Whether you hire someone like us, we want you to hire us, of course, or you do it yourself. We just want to help any way we can and, you know, I hope that those new listeners getting getting the information you need out of the show. So we don't have a, something we're trying to push on you or direction or anything. We're just, what we are pushing is knowledge. That's what we're pushing. We want you to know what things are doing. We wanted you to know how this works, how the environment that you're in, the economic environment, the stock market environment that you're in, how it works and what you should do about it, if anything. So that's that's our goal here, to help you understand, okay? With understanding, you can make better decisions. And I think we can. I think we all can make better decisions with more information. Now, I can tell you for sure that today's environment in investing is very different than it was just a couple years ago. For years, it was a very different environment where easy money, the Fed was printing money, every uh, the government was spending money, Easy, easy money. Well, now we have a change, and that makes the environment very different. So that change is what you want, what we're trying to teach you and how to understand it, how to deal with it. Okay? And, of course, we've got inflation. I have a, I'm going to talk about inflation today a little bit. Um, we've had all, all we've ever had in recent weeks and months is bad news about inflation. But maybe I'm seeing a little bit different, maybe a little bit weaker in the inflation news. We'll talk. I want to talk about that. I really do. Okay, so 
We're open for your calls right now. You can call and ask your questions. The same number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So let's get right to our first question. Hey, guys, this is Adam again from Texas. I was calling about a possible short on ticker symbol DASH, and I was also wondering what your fair value is for that. Love the show. Looking forward to the answer. Thanks. Okay, this is DoorDash Inc. DoorDash, of course, is a great a growth stock. Uh, provides restaurant food delivery services via online and mobile applications across U.S., Canada, and Australia. It's a twenty-three million dollar company and has no earnings. It's going to lose eighty-one cents a share this year, then twenty-seven cents a share next year. Uh, sales growth is very high, thirty-five, forty percent in the last three or four quarters. So sales growth is high. Earnings are nowhere to be seen yet, and it's a negative cash flow. So the stock has fallen from, what, $260 a share in September 21 to now $67. How much is it worth? It doesn't have any earnings. It's very difficult to evaluate a company that doesn't make money. So he called about shorting it, saying, well, if it continues downward, should I short it and I can make profits when it falls? Okay, I would say uh, that would be, I think that that may happen because, you know, it doesn't make any money. But it's dangerous because it has high growth in sales. Now, the low it's been was $57.60, and it's been, that was back uh, in May. And it's been kind of turning sideways, 57 to 81, now it's 67. Okay, so... It's kind of in that range. Uh, I wouldn't short it unless it broke below 57, another downstroke. Because um, it's already given up a lot. And I, I don't know if all the weak hands are out. But the market, I still think, has a little ways to go. So it may very well fall more. Very possible. <clears throat> My focus point today is based on the question, is it possible to make your portfolio recession proof? Is that possible? Historically, high-quality bonds have been pretty good ballast for stocks during recessionary periods. But a rising interest rate environment complicates that, so it makes it more difficult. So if we have time, we'll talk about that and other topics. Uh, another topic I want to get to, I want to talk about inflation, you know that. Um, I want to talk about housing prices. We had a uh, an April report from the Case-Shiller CoreLogic people for housing. Uh, and also I want to talk about car, electric cars. You know, Tesla has the huge share of market, market share for electric cars. Do you know how much they have percentage-wise of all the electric car sales? Do you know who number two is? Bet you most of you don't know who number two is. So I want to talk about that before the show. The market was down, ended up being down 491 points on the Dow, 343 points on the NASDAQ, and 79 points on the S&P. The market was up in the morning. Not a lot, but it was up. And it gave all that up and more when the confidence, the consumer confidence report came out, which was pretty low. So that made everybody de- depressed. Remember, our economy is driven by the consumer. 66% of our economy is driven by the consumer and what they spend. 
So the theory is if the consumer confidence, if they're not confident, they're going to stop spending. By the way, that's not necessarily so. But that is the assumption. And therefore, the market, if the consumer stops spending, corporate profits go down and stock prices should go down because corporate profits are going down. That's the the theory. That's the thinking. And that's why it turned around and went solidly down today. So we'll see if if that's going to continue that process. I've told you over and over and over all this year that the summer is going to be difficult, going to be volatile. But we're in a bear market. You know, it felt like a bear market before it actually officially became a bear market. We talked about that. We're now in a bear market. How much deeper can it go? Well, you know, the average is about 33% for the S&P 500. Well, we're down about 23% or so. So we got 10 more percent to go just to get to the average. But the average is not necessarily going to be this time. It could be less than average. It could be more than average. We don't know. No one knows. My trivia question today concerns a market history. I like market history. It's one of my favorite subjects. There's a 152-year chart that demonstrates an interesting cycle. That's coming up. Okay, that's going to be our... We're on our main uh, trivia question here. We're moving into a break. I'm here now taking your calls live. This is the way to get a hold of us. You can interact with me, 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor. 888-99-CHART. Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. I make them into easier to understand elements. Each question is tackled live without pre-screening, and some topics are more challenging than others. And that's a good thing because it allows every Invest Talk caller to shape the content of the podcast. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line. At 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to Taylor out of Philadelphia. Hi, Taylor. Hey, Steve. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for the call. Absolutely. Uh, yesterday, Justin commented on the uh, energy sector, saying he felt it uh, was going to get into a consolidation period here after the recent pullback. I just wanted maybe to see if you could touch on that as well. Uh, and if you still felt it was a good place to be overweight in this environment, and then lastly, uh, I read that Warren Buffett had added to his position an OXY. I was wondering if it might be time for uh, me to do the same. Yeah, he added hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know if it's billions, but hundreds of millions 
of Oxy just recently. He already owned a big chunk of it already, and he bought more on the on the recent weakness of Oxy. So he likes it a lot. He likes the management. He likes everything about it. And um, I'm going to agree with Justin. We might have a little bit of consolidation periods here uh, going on in the, the oil industry and other commodities. But I think that's an opportunity to buy, not necessarily to take profits yet. Now, if you're overweighted, then you may want to take some profits. But uh, if you're underweighted, this is the time to get in. Will it continue to skyrocket? I just think over the next few years, your value stocks are going to do better than your growth stocks. And Oxy's going to make $10.54 a share this year into $61 stock. Okay. Now, next year, it's only going to make $8.03. Okay. So it's still a very low price stock. Return equity 17%. I mean, there's a lot of good things going on. Uh, and Oxy's not all the only one. That's just the one that Warren Buffett likes a lot. Okay, so yeah, I put on a position if you don't have it. Uh, or, you, know, you could add to it if it's not too big of your portfolio. Anyways, we're moving into a break, everybody. But no, we're, for, first we're going to go to a voicemail before we do that. Okay, here, you know, you can call us live right now. We're open 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday. But if you can't reach us, you still can call our anytime listener line number. And the number is 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. I have a question about stock Intrepid Potash, IPI, the ticker symbol. I bought this stock a couple months ago at a price that was, in hindsight, probably a little bit too high. PE was a little bit high. And at this point, it's dropped... I would say 40%, maybe 30% from where I bought it. And I'm tempted to dollar cost average and add a little bit more to, to balance out the loss. Of course, in the expectation that it will go up later in the year, but I'm not sure if it's a demand destruction or institutional investors kind of fleeing their, their positions in IPI, but I'm not as confident that it will go back up. Now, of course, I know. We're in a commodities and an energy cycle, so I was just curious if you thought it would be wise to dollar cost average and buy a little bit more of this stock, or just to wait it out and see if it goes back up and take what I can get. So appreciate your feedback and guidance in advance, and looking forward to the answer. Take care. Bye. Okay, Intrepid Potash, uh, IPI is the symbol, manufactures uh, murate of uh, potash, lingonbanite. And other fertilized pro- fertilizer products mainly sold in the U.S. It's a very small company, 663 million in market cap. It's going to make nine dollars a share this year and five dollars a share next year. It's a forty-eight dollar stock. So it, everybody loved it and pushed it up from a six to eight dollar range all the way up to over a hundred. Now it's at forty-eight dollars. Okay, so this is what happens. When everybody gets excited about something, they overbid it and overpush it. The stock is still growing very solid. At five, remember, next year they're going to make five thirty-five per share. This year they're making nine. So at five thirty-five, the PE is nine. The five-year range is nine to seventy. Return equity is very low at four percent. I don't like that. That's the one thing I don't care for. I'm not sure why it's so low. But mutual funds have been buying it, and they. We're 169 funds a year ago. Today, there's 239 that own this company. 42% of the stocks are owned by the funds, 18% by management. 
I would suggest that this is about where it's going to find support, and I would be a buyer at this level. Now, mind you, it's a very small company, so it's more high risk because of that. You're listening to Invest Talk. Your goal of financial freedom will require information and effective strategies. I hope that's what we're here for, to help you with that. So let's talk about it. I'm willing to talk about it. We're live, 888-99-CHART. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So is it the focus point today? Is it possible to make make your portfolio recession-proof? Problem with this little article that I read is that you're talking about two different things. Your investment portfolio and your recession. Recession-proof your investment portfolio. Well, there's two separate things. Uh, if you've listened to us at all, you know last year we said chances are high for a recession this year or into next year. Uh, you know that we said that you know time to go move to the value side of the market. That looks like where that you could be defensive. But see, you should have done that then. You know, in the last year, middle of last year, to the beginning of this year, doing it now when this article's coming out right now is a time to recession-proof your investment. You're late. It's late. It's too late. Uh, can you do it? Sure you can. But the market's already given up a big chunk, so you've given up a big chunk already. So do you do it now? And how do you recession-proof a portfolio? First of all, you got to recognize that recession is on its way. By the way, a recession's always on its way, but you can listen to signals and look at things to know when it's getting closer. You can never guess exactly. We're still not in a recession, people. We're not. We could be if, remember, the second quarter, first quarter was negative. If this second quarter comes in negative, we're in a recession. But I don't think we, it, it may not. It may be flat. It may be up a little bit. Therefore, we're not in a quote-unquote recession feels like it but we're not in it anyways it's just too late so let's say you were in time for this recession proofing your portfolio that means you would have done it way back you know six months a year ago right somewhere in that period how can you do that yes you can you can you can move toward very short-term bonds you can move to cash there's ways to do it but then you're trying to time the market I will submit to you now, today, if you're looking at your portfolio and you're looking at the economy and the stock market, I will submit today you should be gathering a list of stocks to buy. There's a reason why Warren Buffett bought more Occidental. He buys when everybody else sells. When everybody else is selling, he's a buyer. That's how you make significant money in the market. You don't panic out. You don't panic in. You buy when everybody else is panicking out. You sell when everybody else is talking about, look, I like to buy this company. It's never made money, not going to make money, but it's up to $50 a share. It went for $2.50. I want to buy it. That's when you sell because that, that, that makes no sense from an investment point of view. So if, right now, you shouldn't be recession-proofing your portfolio, in my opinion. You should be gathering your your stocks that you want to buy and nibbling at the corners of buying them. 
Yeah, can the market go down more? Sure it can, sure. No doubt about it. But you're more more near the bottom than at the top. And I'm going to agree with Justin. We're, you're seeing consolidation happening in all the commodity areas. Consolidation means it shot way up, came back down. It's now consolidating going sideways. What should you do about that? I would think about buying, not selling. Okay, let's keep moving. I want we pivot back to Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is David out of Livermore, California. When you make reference to a certain percentage of your portfolio should be in this or that, do you include the home you live in as part of the portfolio? Do you include retirement accounts and taxable accounts? You know, what all is included? in the entire portfolio when you're determining what percentage of that portfolio should be invested in a particular asset. Thank you. Okay, that's a good question. No, I'm not considering I'm not considering real assets like your house or a rental property. I'm uh, I'm talking about your portfolio. You have $250,000 in the market, the stock market, uh, that's your portfolio. It could be half IRA, half Roth IRA, half 401k, half something else. That is what I'm talking about, your investable dollars in the market. And we don't like you to buy more than 3% of any one stock. Obviously, that'll give you 33 stocks to be fully invested, right? But you can go up to five. That means there'll be 20 stocks. But make sure they're very diversified. They're spread out. And you can migrate the different parts of the market that have the better opportunities, like you know, we suggested the ball back, go moving toward value stocks and commodity-type stocks, and a little bit more defensive than the growth stocks that everybody was all hyped up about and have been for years. The growth stocks will still perform, but not like they used to. Not in the environment we're in with the Fed's raising rates and we're starting to reduce liquidity. That's not a very positive environment for growth stocks. Okay, It is a positive environment for value stocks. Don't get me wrong. Value stocks can go down also. In a, in a bear market, they'll just go down a lot slower. Okay, good question, though. Okay, all investors are probably concerned about inflation and the effects of market volatility, but these are not new investing variables. So as we go to break, here is my trivia question. Can you name the five or six things you should know about market crashes and downturns? After break, I'll supply the answer. But for now, my phone numbers are open, and I encourage you to give me a call. 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, 
then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E. Dot com, HackerOne.com Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. 888-99 chart. Before the break, I asked a trivia question. Can you name the five or six things you should know about market crashes and downturns? Okay, so we talked about that. I've talked about these various things pretty often. Okay, the, the regularity of market crashes and declines is common. Okay, and you have to be patient through these things. If you're not... You're going to sell right at the bottom and buy back at the top. You have to be aware and be understand how they happen. Now, market crash or bear market is when the the broad market indexes, usually the S&P 500, is down 20% or more. And we're there, more than 20%, about 21, 22 at the max. So what are several things or themes that you should be aware of? Number one. From time to time, stock markets go through long, deep periods of decline. It happens. We're in one now. After a large decline, that's number two. After a large decline, it's hard to predict how long it will take for stock markets to recover. 
The big crash of 50% in 2008 took one year to recover. Okay, so that's how long it took to recover all that 50% loss. In other words, the market was up 100% in one year. Uh, Three, over the long run, stock markets have been very generous to investors who can get through the periods of decline. Number four, during times of rapid, deep decline, investors should avoid panic selling. Have you heard that before? Yes. Number five, the standard bell curve is an inadequate model of stock market returns, a model that can, can capture the extreme risk of the equity market is needed. In other words, you can't, you got to be in the market when it starts to move. You can't be trying to guess when it starts to move. And number six, sometimes the market and economy move in opposite directions. Quite often, the market falls way before the economy shows any weakness, and it started to fall this year way before that, right? So that's why it works. So keep in mind that after 152 years of chart record of the U.S. market returns, it's littered with bear markets. In each case, the market eventually recovered. It always has recovered every bear market. Okay? It always does. So don't panic. So as you know, our InvestTalk, we welcome both live and in-show calls and recorded caller questions, all of them. So let's grab another voice bank question uh, that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin. This is Glenn in San Francisco. I purchased a couple years ago a position in ETF called EWGS, that's uh, iShares Germany small cap ETF. It was performing well, has kind of tailed off recently, looking to get out of it, but it seems that that the uh, liquidity has dried up. It's trading at serious discount to its net asset value. Wondering if you had any suggestions on this. Looks like it may be at risk for closure. Do I just kind of hang on to it until it closes and I get my money back, or is there a a better strategy uh, for trying to sell the position. Thanks, and uh, look forward to the answer on the podcast. Okay, this is iShares Germany Small Cap, okay? So it's an exchange-traded fund seeking investment results corresponding to the German Small Cap Index. And I would not be anywhere near Europe at this point. I would have never been near Europe for the last several years. And so I would be out. Uh, it, will Europe recover? Yeah, sure, it will. But I think it's got a long period of struggle because of the, especially, you know, Europe, which the Western Europe was totally dependent on Russia and energy and, and, and natural gas. And, you know, with this war in Ukraine, I think that's going to drag on for a long time. I think so. And therefore, it's going to be tough, especially for small cap stocks, which is what this is, to make it, to, to eventually get a return. You will if you're patient enough, but I, I don't think I'd hang around. I think it's dead money for a while, and I don't, I, don't, I don't like holding on to dead money that I think is going to be dead. So I would be out. When people take time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them with their courtesy by giving to their questions quickly. So here's one uh, from uh, R19M3. That's who it's from. Uh, What do you think of store capital, symbol S-T-O-R, as a long-term hold? It's approaching 52-week low at 2640. So let's take a look at store capital. And um, 
Uh, it's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, that owns 2,634 single-tenant commercial real estate properties in 49 states. Okay, so it's real estate. And real estate has trouble in a rising interest rate environment, which is where we are today. So it's going to have, it's going to, it's going to struggle because in a rising interest rate environment, the assumption is, is we're probably going to go into recession uh, because the Fed always increases rates too far or they reduce them too low, both sides, but they'll probably go too far because they want to kill inflation. Well, they, I think inflation will come down without their help. I really do. Anyway, so it's a REIT, and there's nothing wrong with what they own and what, they, uh, what they've what they been doing. They pay a 5.7% dividend. Earnings are going to be pretty decent, $2.21 a share this year, then $2.29 a share. So it's one of those you know, REITs. It probably won't go down much further. It probably won't. It'll probably go back up to the 30-something, low 30s. Uh, I can see that easily, and it'll just hang in there, and you just live on the dividend. It'll be fine. It'll pay its dividend. And uh, it doesn't have, it's not that much in debt. Turn equity is only 5%, so it's not that great. Sales growth is in the 20% area, but I think that's probably going to go back to the single digits. So uh, you expect that. So if you're a long-term investor, just live on the yield. The yield is 5.7%. Be happy. It'll be fine. But that's what you got to look forward to, not capital appreciation necessarily. Okay. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, talking about properties. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Report came out for April, and it showed that the pricing year-over-year went up 20.4%. It was in March 20.6%, so it softened a little bit in April. But we're talking about April, so not May, not June, back in April. This just came out, so it's kind of old. So... The question really is, what's going to do in May and June? And remember when the Fed really started raising rates. So it's probably going to go down. As a matter of fact, I know it will. I talked to a number of my brother-in-laws just last weekend, um, and they all say yeah, real estate prices are coming down pretty fast. We're looking maybe 10 15%. I, I, that should be a normal pullback. I don't think real estate's going to collapse, but it's certainly going to soften. So just be aware that that's what's going to happen. Rising interest rates, that happens. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. You want to grow your wealth? Well, we do all do, don't we? So that's fine. But of course, as you make your investment choices, there will always be a bit of fear. Fear creeps into your judgment. You got fear and greed, the only two emotions that mean anything in the stock market. And the fear comes with your perception of how much risk you're taking. More risk, the more fear you're going to have. And it may be your personality. Maybe you can adjust to it and be happy with it, not worry about it, and maybe you can't. You have to know yourself as well as the risk that you're taking. So my advice to dealing with this reality is to find your comfort zone in risk. You can do that at KPP Financial. We can help you with that. We have a piece of software that helps with that. It's a free online tool. It's called at investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze. It's a risk questionnaire. You answer, you just answer a few very simple questions and gauge how much risk you're comfortable with. Check it out. You can do it quickly. Calibrate your own personal risk tolerance. 
I'm ready for your calls, your questions, 888-99-CHART. Here are the directions for reaching Steve this afternoon with your question. Just call 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T. Have a question about how best to get into the market? Or maybe you're feeling unsure about your current investments. That's what this is all about. This is Invest Talk. Hi, John Kim from New York, longtime student. Thank you for all that you do. I actually have a question about CDs. You mentioned before about like ultra short bonds too. I have some cash on the side that I'm actually utilizing to close on a piece of property within the next year. So I'm looking for something safer. Is now the time to do CDs? I'm looking to do just three month CDs. I know I can look on bank rates. Or can you tell us a little bit more about ultra bonds? I know that bonds are starting to become a little bit in favor, corporate bonds, and we'd just like a little bit more information on that. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Bye. Well, CDs are more secure than an ultra-short bond fund because an ultra-short bond fund will sell at net asset value of the bonds they hold. And even though they are ultra-short and they don't don't move up and down in price very much, they will move up and down in price a little. So they can move down as interest rates move up, but it's pretty small. CDs don't do that. They just you hold them for a certain amount of time and they mature and you get your interest rate for that length of time. For real estate that you have money signed to a certain real estate transaction, I would not take any risk. I'd probably do the CD route. Don't take any risk with it. Just because. Okay? So that's what I would suggest. Uh, so, um, every now and then, it's a fun to play two in a row. So, here comes another caller question, 888-99-CHART. Hey, uh, Steve or Justin, this is Dan from the San Francisco Bay Area. And I have a question on stock PDC Energy, stock symbol PDCE. It's got really good numbers as far as like the numbers that you guys um, quote um, when you're looking up stocks for people. Everything looks really good. They're supposed to make $20 a share next year. The last couple of weeks have been dropping like a rock. So I was wondering uh, what your thoughts were about this stock. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, I don't know if we can call it a rock, but it dropped. I think it's consolidating. Remember, Justin mentioned that yesterday. I think it's true. This is PDC Energy, Inc. PDCE is the symbol. Engaged in exploration and production of oil and gas in Colorado, Ohio, West Virginia. Uh, raised a bunch of capital to do that. They are a $6.3 billion company. They're going to make $18.96 a share this year, $19.56 a share last year, and that's a far cry from $8 they made last year. So $19.56 in 2023, $18.96 this year, $2022, and $8.22 last year. Now, um, they're obviously shot up because of oil and gas. I mean, this was trading in uh, uh, as low as five, six dollars back in the COVID crash, and now it's at sixty-six dollars. It's been as high as oh, it looks like about eighty. I'm going to say eighty-nine dollars, and it fell sharply in the last few weeks. Looks like the last couple, three days, it's found support in the low sixties. So I think this is where you would buy it. You wouldn't sell it here. It's consolidating. This is where it will probably consolidate. And now, after it consolidate for a period of time, which most commodities are, by the way, now, 
after peaking and coming off their peaks or starting to consolidate. The question is, where will they move next? Will they move back up or will they move down? And I feel that they'll probably move back up based on what's going on in the world economy. But, you know, that may not be a correct assumption, but it is consolidating. So I would hold on to it. I wouldn't sell it. And if you wanted to buy it, this is where you'd buy it. Mind you, it's already made a big move. But it's going to make $19 a share, and it's a $66 stock. I mean, how cheap do you want it to be? That's very low. Very low. Turn equity is 30%. I don't know. Very low debt. I like I like the numbers. Pays 2.1% dividend. Very easily can sustain that. So, anyways, inflation is likely to fall but not because of the Fed's action. Remember, the Fed's raising rates is trying to attack. It's likely to fall without that. Why? Because, as I said, been saying on this for this hour, all commodities and all raw materials in the supply chain have fallen sharply in price in recent from their recent peaks. That doesn't mean they're cheap or as low as cheap as they were. Just fallen sharply. So if they've fallen from their peaks. That means less pressure on inflation going forward. Also, many large companies, retail companies, have too much inventory. They need to get rid of their inventory. They're going to get rid of it, get out, get rid of all the old inventory, get make room for the new inventory for the holiday season. That means they're going to be selling prices at discounts. That means less pressure on inflation. If we're moving to recession, that's what's happening. Less pressure on salary inflation. Okay? Now, you might say, well, that's that's because of the Fed. Well, maybe you can say that because the Fed's pushing us into recession. But I think it's already coming off the peak. We'll we'll know in the next couple of months. We'll know by the time summer's over. We'll look back and say, yeah, okay, this is where it was 8.6% in May. For June, it's X, and then July, it's X, and August, it's X. We'll know if it's down from 8.6, right? I don't think inflation's going away. I still think we're going to have high inflation, high inflation, but not but not 8.6. That's what I think. Now, a lot of experts are not agreeing with me on that, so I could, you know, I could be turned out to be, I could be wrong, but I'm going with my feelings. I've been through this a lot, so we'll see. On the next Invest Talk, this story. Investors in their 20s and 30s and 40s might want to embrace Down Market Survival Guide. So when you have many years until retirement, market volatility should be easy to shrug off. It's not always easy, but it should be. That's tomorrow, everybody. For now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and we are all watching the markets go up, then down. So now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Steve Peasley is here taking your questions live. Call 888-99-CHART. Oh, hi. It's Raj from uh, New York. Thanks for the great show. Thanks for all the help and guidance. Um, I got a question about Lamb Research. Seems uh, like a good stock to buy. Do you think it's a good entry point? Should we wait for it to go down more or not? Please uh, let us know on the show if you can. Thank you. L-A, let's say I think land research is L-R-C-X is the symbol. L-R-C-X. 
Um, there are there are big companies, sixty billion dollars. Manufacturers etching cleaning systems using wafer fabrication equipment for the semiconductor industry. I would probably stay away from it because where it is, the good solid company. Don't don't misinterpret that. They're going to make thirty eight dollars a share next year, thirty one dollars or almost thirty two dollars a share this year. It's a four hundred thirty eight dollar stock, so it's not that expensive, but it never gets that expensive either. The most recent sales, the most recent quarter, sales are only up 6%. Before that was 22, and before that was 35. So sales are starting to creep down, which is typical. Uh, you know, this kind of, you know, you know, chip stocks are very cyclical in nature, very cyclical. Uh, management owns 1%. Mutual funds have been net slowly buying. They own 51% of the company. Uh, and it's fallen off, of course, off its high. It's like all growth stocks. I mean, its high was seven hundred and something dollars, seven hundred thirty-one dollars. Today, it's at four thirty-eight. Is it done falling? Well, could be, but I think I would be more comfortable in the you know three seventy-five, four hundred dollar range. I think that's a more realistic number for it to be before the cycle's finished. And remember, you're, you know, you got to remember it's very cyclical, very attached to the economic cycle. Therefore, it can be very difficult in this environment you're in. Tesla. We talk about Tesla off and on, right? Uh, they have a new rival that's pretty big. But how big is big? Most automakers in the U.S. are starting to produce new models, electric car models, right, to compete with Tesla. But how much market share does Tesla have, do you think? I'm going to give it to you. They have 75.8% of the electric car market. 75. Who's number two? That's the competitors coming up. Number two. Number two is Hyundai in South Korea. They have 9% of the electric car market. Hyundai does. VW, largest company, car company in the world, or is, you know, by volume of vehicles, they have 4.5%. And all the rest of the car companies, 6.1%. So Hyundai is the big competitor for the electric car market share. Now, of course, Tesla has been making you know, the high end. That's where they started with high end, right? High end Teslas. And they still are there. And they're starting to see competition coming into that sphere from, you know, Lexus and Mercedes and, you know, hiring vehicles. And I think that you're going to see Tesla's market share go steadily down. But I did see that they're opening up two more lines of production in a couple of their manufacturing facilities. So there's still going to be very difficult competition for everybody else. I don't see how that, I don't see that ending anytime soon. It's just Tesla is, is, of course, the target, and everybody's going to be shooting at them. And therefore, they are going to lose market share. Doesn't mean they'll lose money, because they'll make a lot more cars. They'll make a ton of them. But there are going to be much heavier competition coming up. The market was down today, ended up pretty bad, down uh, 491, 491 points on the Dow, 343 points on the NASDAQ, and 79 points on the S&P 500 after a week of being up last week, after many weeks of being down, we finally had an up week last week. So now the question is, are we going to have an up week this week? Remember, we got 4th of July coming next week, the holiday, short week next week. 
So it depends on what the market wants to do. It didn't like today. It didn't like. It didn't like the. Uh, it didn't like the comp, uh, the consumer confidence report, and that's what drove it down today. I'm Steve Peasley. This completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about us for about the free podcast downloads. Please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes. Your positive rating raises our profile and helps spread the word. We appreciate that. Independent thing and shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night, everybody. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.